My Car Guru, episode 178. Well, if I've learned anything in all these years of existence, it's this. Always read the instructions. Yep, I have failed miserably this time, folks. You know, sometimes in your life, or sometime in your life, hopefully, you get to the point, oh, by the way, this is Lenny Lawson, the car guru, and thank you for listening to this radio show and podcast. Uh, As I was saying, at one point in your life, I hope you get to the point where you can pay off your house. Uh, Back in the, during the Great Recession, I had to borrow a lot of money, and I used my house as collateral. Well... I finally got to pay it off. I had a big old chunk that I needed to send to my mortgage company. And they had given me the payoff. So I just got that much money together and I was supposed to use a wire transfer. Well, I go on to my bank's online service and and it gives you an opportunity to wire the money. And it gave me three options. I could Well, the first option, it was just option one and two were the only ones I was interested in. One, you could deliver it today, or the other option was you could deliver it tomorrow. Well, this was on a Thursday, and they told me that uh, they couldn't really process it very fast anyway, so if it was cheaper to to deliver it uh, tomorrow, then just deliver it tomorrow. Well, I didn't realize that that created a situation where there were two totally different things. The first option was a wire. And that was 30 bucks to do that. The second option only cost 10. I said, well, what a deal. And, but that was an ACH. Well, I get it sent. The money comes out of my account. A, a sizable amount of money comes out of my bank account. Now nobody can find it. Uh, it has, it's, in La, it's in ACH land, wherever that is. Uh, the Rocket Mortgage has not received it. They've not had any kind of notification. And... Um, I can't get in touch with the bank that I sent it to, which is, uh, what do you call it, Chase Bank? I think it's J.P. Morgan Chase is where it went to. So I'm just hoping that uh, it's just waiting to be rejected because apparently you cannot send an an HCH to pay off a mortgage. Uh, You can use an HCH to, to make a monthly payment, but you can't do it to pay off the big balance. So... I have uh, been fretting over that this morning, but I've I've stopped. I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I know I'm dealing with some pretty sizable entities, and uh, I know things can get lost in the shuffle, but somebody has it. Somebody knows where it is, and I will get it. Um, You know, and that's that's all I have to say about that. But, you know, this happens sometimes when people uh, pay off their cars. They get their balance wrong. And they don't send in quite enough money because they delayed it or the mail got delayed. And, and so their check arrives and, and it has accrued additional interest. And so, you know, they'll apply everything that you sent them to the loan, but you still have a, you know, it could be a $1 balance. And so they don't mail out the title until that balance is zero. So that could be very frustrating. So just make sure that you know how many days that payoff is good for. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it in the regular mail either. You know, I would either... Uh, well, don't wire in the money. If you do it, do it right. <laughs> don't do it the way I did it. But if you if you can, go directly to the institution. You could go to the dealership, and they can actually um, send the money electronically to, like, Ford Motor Credit or Toyota Motor Credit. But, but ultimately, it is your responsibility to make sure that that uh, loan gets paid off. If you trade with a dealer, 
and you have a payoff, a remaining balance. Uh, that is going to go on your that remaining balance is going to go on your new contract. A lot of people don't understand how that works, but when you trade cars, you know you've got the selling price of the car minus your trade-in value. Let's say that let's just keep it simple. Say that the selling price is thirty thousand. Your trade is worth ten, so the trading difference is twenty thousand, right? And then let's forget about sales tax because you would add sales tax to that. But let's say that you are typically you would think you were financing $20,000. But if you had a $5,000 payoff on your car, then you're not financing $20,000. You're financing $25,000 because that balance carries over. Um, a lot of people don't understand how that works, but that's the way it works. But if you, you know, trust the dealer, then you still need to make sure that that balance gets paid off. Uh, because that's it's still on you. Just because you traded cars doesn't mean that uh, the bank has let you off the hook. You're not off the hook until that $5,000 check has been received and deposited. The funds are good at you know wherever you have it financed. It could be a credit union. It could be a bank. It could be one of the captives, like Ford Motor Credit or Ally Bank, if it's a GM or Chrysler contract. So, um, I don't know if you if you get another statement saying that you have a payment due or that your payment's late, then the, the dealer has delayed in paying your vehicle off. Now, why would they do that? Well, they do it basically when they have uh, cash flow problems. You know, the dealership, the new car dealer is not owned by Ford or General Motors or whatever. It's a private business, and and their capitalization can become an issue. If you have a, a dealer that's undercapitalized, then you know, they try to manage their, their cash flow, and, and one of the ways they do that is to take trade-ins and not pay them off for a while. You know, it could be they stretch it to the very last minute, and sometimes they don't ever get paid off. That happened at, at a dealership about 30 miles from me where more than 100 different customers, uh, their loans didn't get paid off, and it was uh, they didn't find out for some time. The dealership was basically making their monthly payments for them. They had already traded cars. They were making monthly payments on their new car, but their old car, uh, they thought was paid off. The dealer was actually making monthly payments on that so that he didn't have to pay off the big balance. Well, then he went out of business. And all of a sudden, that, that customer start, or those customers started receiving delinquency notices. You need to make your payment. Wait a minute. I traded that car. Um, well, no, you, it, that car was never paid off. What? You know, that could be very disheartening, couldn't it? And who's on the hook? You are. Now, you can sue that dealer for fraud and all that stuff and, you know, try to line up with all the other people who lined up as far as bankruptcy is concerned. But you are not protected. So, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, you don't have to worry about that. But I'm still going to maybe make a phone call in maybe 30 days after I trade, if I had to pay off, just to make sure, you know, that it got paid off because you just don't know. That would be a pretty big burden, wouldn't it, to trade cars and all of a sudden find out that you still owe for a second car. It's still in your name. And, uh, you know, many times another sad thing is they turned around and sold that car to somebody else, financed it for them. They've received money for that as well. They received... Uh, you know, sales tax money and everything. And, of course, they got in trouble with the state, too, because they weren't remitting sales tax dollars. That's another. But th those are just horrendous things that can happen. You know, in this kind of economy where we are right now, you would think that the car business would be bad, but it's actually been very good 
from a profit standpoint, uh, as long as you're able to get some adequate inventory. Uh, the big challenges has been uh, the availability of used cars at a reasonable value. You, you, we actually just can't go to the auction and buy cars right now for anything less than full retail or more. And so we buy cars at the auction. We bring them back. We have to sell, look what we have to sell them for. You know, if they are, um, if we had to pay full retail to get them, then we have to sell them for way over retail, which is not real good, you know, for the consumer. So, you know, you just got to consider book values. There is a big trend going on right now. Um, it, the curve is started down as far as used car values are concerned. So if, if you're thinking about trading sometime in the next six months, you need to do it now if you can find the vehicle that you're interested in, a new one. That in itself is very difficult. Um, I was looking, I was driving to uh, Cincinnati not too long ago, and, and in this town um, just outside of Cincinnati, it's northern Kentucky of Florence, driving past a big Toyota dealership, big Nissan dealership, big um, Ford dealership. And I looked at their lots, and it looks like they've been abandoned. There's just no cars on. Big Honda dealership, too. I mean, just the only cars that they have are their used vehicles. And everything else is being sold as soon as it comes in, and, and it's being sold for MSRP or greater. So that's the downside. But, you know, if these used car values really start going down, then that's going to be a double whammy. High prices on new and lower used car values. Now, the, the used car values that are really, really strong right now is anything that's valued around, let's say, ten to $15,000. Those cars are just about impossible to find. Everything is uh, $20,000 or higher. And even, you know, what was a $5,000 car two years ago is now a $12,000 car. And it's just, um, it's tough for dealers when they're used to being able to go to the auction and buy stuff at somewhere near the uh, Kelly Blue Book value, uh, trade-in value. Uh, right now they're trading at full MSRP. So that's good for you as a consumer. Like I say, if you can find the vehicle that you're interested in. Now, another downside is there are no real rebates out there. There's some. I mean, there's some private offers. If you get one of those private offers in the mail, hold on to it. You know, check the expiration date. Like, let's say that you're a loyal Chevrolet customer and you get a private offer uh, granting you an additional $1,500 off of a Silverado or something. If you think you might be in the market, then hold on to that because you won't see that again. Uh, that is just something that, that is a one-time offer. They're trying to incentivize you to go out and buy a new Silverado. Now, if you think you're in the market, then, you know, go down, and they'll have that on record, and you'll get $1,500 off. Otherwise, if you just walk into a dealership and try to buy a vehicle off the lot, there are no rebates out there. There just aren't. So that part of the business has changed a lot. Uh, so just a word of warning about payoffs. Just make sure you, you dot your I's and cross your T's and make a little phone call. Make sure it got paid off. Okay, I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, I can understand why people get so confused because of the dealer advertising that's out there in so many places across the country. You know, as I'm traveling, I hear all these ads if I'm on, you know, local radio or whatever. So, uh, you don't hear it much on, on satellite radio. Uh, you can actually, if you watch any TV, you're going to see it sometimes too. But it's when the dealer says, uh, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Well, you know, that's kind of true. I mean, they're going to pay it off. But the difference between your payoff and the actual cash value of your car, which is what they're going to put in your car, you know, you get to carry that balance. And that goes on your next contract. So 
Should dealers be able to say, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe? Doesn't that sound like they're going to pay it off and you're, you're finished? You're, you, know, you just wipe your hands of that trade? That's what it sounds like to me. And I think that's very deceptive. And it is deceptive, but it's not illegal. There is no law, federal law or state uh, rule through the Motor Vehicle Commission, that says that you can't say we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Because basically they are paying off your trade, except for your negative equity, and that goes on your next contract. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, another thing that really bugs me is the, uh, the not maybe not the guaranteed trade allowance, because that has been outlawed, but the statement like um, we'll pay you up to $8,000 or $9,000 or whatever it is over book value for your trade-in. Let me tell you how they do that, okay? No dealer is going to pay you eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 over what the book value is for your trade. They just can't do it unless they mark up the one that they're selling you enough to swallow up that, uh, that extra trade allowance. So, for example, if, if I'm selling you a, uh, a $30,000 new vehicle and the actual book value on your vehicle is $10,000, but I said in my advertising I'm going to pay you $7,000 over book value for your trade, so I'm going to give you $17,000 for your trade. Well, what I've done is, is just marked up my vehicle, which actually sells for just $23,000. I've got $7,000 worth of additional markup that didn't cost me anything. And it makes you look like you're getting more for your trade-in. Folks, it's not what you get for your trade-in that matters. I know it kind of matters. What really matters is how much difference are you having to pay between, your, between uh, the new car and your old car. And, and what's the starting point? You know, where, where is the transaction starting? Are you starting at MSRP? Or are you starting at some inflated number over MSRP, which just gives the dealer more cushion? Now, this is kind of a – it's really changed over the years, over the last two years, especially because of the shortage of cars. Now, dealers are able to charge more, some in many cases over MSRP, and the customers are just paying it because there's so little inventory out there. It's the law of supply and demand. So here's how you protect yourself from this. Just make sure that all of the numbers that you're talking about on the car start at MSRP. You know, if that's the market – for the car that you're looking at. Um, you know, if you've done some shopping around and everybody is charging, let's say, $1,500, $2,000 over MSRP for your for Kia Tellurides or whatever, I think they're probably $10,000 over MSRP. But whatever the, the going market rate is for the vehicles, then let that be your starting point. And then look at what they're really paying you for your trade-in. Don't fall for the, you know, guaranteed trade value. What that does is gets people in the door because it sounds good. And they just keep saying it. And, you know, I, I really think customers, many customers just get amnesia when they walk onto the lot. I think that they, uh, they hear this catchphrase or this gimmick, like we'll pay, pay off your trade no matter how much you owe, or $10,000 over book value for your trade. They don't hear the up to, and they don't read the fine print on the ad. They can't hear it. You know, when somebody's saying, talking, you know, like they do at the end of radio commercials, you can't hear what they're saying, and they know that. And then they also know that about 90% of the people that come in and respond to that ad are going to get amnesia. They're going to forget about that ad, and then they're just, they get all excited. They're wanting a new car. 
you know, they've planned for this for a long time, done a lot of shopping. And then the fast talkers, um, you know, the big sale. Everybody's having the big sale. Everybody, It's one day only. Limited time offer. You know, about the only time that you can believe those kind of, of ads is when it's coming from the manufacturer. If, like, let's say there's a Honda ad, and they say that for a limited time, we're going to offer 0% financing, or we're going to offer $1,500 cash back on a Honda Pilot, which they would never do. Then you can count on that. If that's a limited, if they say it's limited, it's limited because they are very closely monitored by the feds. But when it comes to local advertising, dealers in a particular market, uh, in some states, I guess they have more uh, robust enforcement. But I know in this area, in uh, the southeast, uh, in Upper East Tennessee, enforcement isn't really strong. It's stronger than it was. It's kind of a self-policing thing where dealers turn in other dealers. I've turned in some dealers before. I've had dealers turn in, in on me one time many years ago. That's probably 25 years ago. I got fined $1,000 for not having a stock number on a used car ad. So I had like, I don't know, 30 used cars in there. I left out one stock number, and they turned me in on that. That's when the enforcement was way too strong. Um, and they said, okay, that's when they first started requiring stock numbers. Uh, on new or used advertising, and so they were they were wanting to catch violators. And if you had a uh, you know pretty cl- pretty heated competition between you and another dealer in another town, and you ran an ad in his paper, man, he was he paid somebody to scan your ads to try to find something so he could turn you in. So I got turned in for that. I've never been turned in for anything serious, but still the um, well, you may consider that serious. You know, I don't mean to downplay. You should have a stock number. You should be able to go in with an advertisement and see the stock number and then go in and find that car, right? But so many people have told me over the years, well, I went in to see the car and they'd already sold it. Well, you know, they call that the bait and switch. That's another one of the 11 things that car shoppers need to watch out for. I was reading this article by Edmunds.com. I reviewed all of these uh, about two months ago. But there's one that really applies to what I'm talking about right now, and that's so many people succumb to pressure. And I don't know why, what it is about the car business that brings this out. I, I think, you know, I've seen this or heard about this same kind of thing going on in the mobile home business or uh, with campers, especially when there is a huge oversupply. That's when all the games start. Uh, that's where you see a lot of really bad behavior is when the inventories get really big on dealer lots and they're under a great deal of pressure to move the inventory. And then they hire salespeople who have minimal training, but they learn from the worst examples that are working at the dealership. And they say, well, don't listen to all that lovey-dovey stuff that they teach in in the sales meeting. You do it the way I do it. Find out what they want to pay as far as a monthly payment. And then go for the clothes, you know, and that's what they do It is, um, you know, when you see the balloons up and all the excitement, you've been out shopping and or you've looked forward to this day. We're going to go out and buy a car today. It's the worst thought you can have because really you need to uh, see, you need to use your eyes and, and not believe everything that you hear. You need to read the information that's put before you. You need to review it and you ultimately need to go home and think about it. That's what I always recommend to people to do 
is look at the numbers and then just go think about it. Because, you know, have you ever had buyer's remorse on something where, you know, you thought it was a great idea until you woke up on Saturday morning and then it wasn't a really good idea? Uh, All of a sudden you're thinking, honey, we can't afford this car. Well, then it's too late and you go back to the dealership on Monday morning and you tell them, say, we can't afford this car. And they say, sorry, you signed the paperwork. This deal's already been funded. If you, you can trade it if you want to for something else. Well, we want our old car back. Well, we already sold it. You sold it on Sunday? No. You know, they've just parked it in a, on a different location, and, and they don't want to give you that car back. Car salespeople don't like to do deals over, and they certainly don't like to give refunds. So just make sure you do it right the first time, and then you won't have to worry about it. Okay, I'll be back in just a minute. You know, you can avoid a lot of this uh, high pressure. By just going through the internet department, you know, just that, that we find that most of our customers who go through our internet department are extremely happy with the experience. Um, of course, I have a lot of good salespeople that, and, and a lot of veterans now that they are very knowledgeable, experienced. They're not high pressure people. We don't allow that at my dealership, but you know, there's plenty of them out there. There's there's probably a lot more good ones than bad ones, but you just don't know what you're going to find. You can tell it, though, can't you? I mean, when you walk onto a lot and you see this guy and he's got – won't take his sunglasses off and, um, you know, he's always asking you th- – you know, he's wanting to know what, your month, what are you looking for as far as a monthly payment is concerned. I mean, that's the dead giveaway right there. How much you want to pay per month? Or what are you paying on your car right now? Now, any good salesperson is going to find that out at some point because it's important information. They got to find out where your payoff, what or where your payoff is, what your payoff is, what your monthly payments are. They need to know that kind of stuff. But you know, if that's like the first words out of their mouth out there on the lot, then he's trying to switch you to a to being a payment buyer and not focusing on the selling price, the trade allowance, and the difference. Um, because the payment really doesn't matter if you're paying way too much for the car, does it? I mean, you can get a really low payment on 120 months, but what if you could get that same payment on 60 months or 72 months? Wouldn't that be a better deal? Of course it would. So you just have to watch out. You have to look at them, you know, listen to them and evaluate them. And you feel, if you feel like you're dealing with in a high-pressure environment, then, you know, you've got, you've got the right to walk. You know, to get in your car and leave. You can say bye-bye. Say, well, we decided not to do anything today. See ya. It's probably the – that one decision will probably be a big money saver for you, especially with some of these stores. So you just got to watch out. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll see you next time.